and welcome to another episode of The Dice Are Screaming. Oh, oh are roaring. Yeah, a little hoarse today. Oh, well, better get that looked at. <laughs> well, that's as much as you can expect from the late 70s bad talk show oh. of gaming podcasts. Yes, the late 70s bad talk show. And there were a lot of them back then, if you, if you ever watch... Uh, you know, backdated TV. Mm. Yeah. That's that's us. Yeah. And uh, Mike is Sid Vicious, and <laughs> I'm Henry Rollins, so, of that era. Oh, jeez. The worst. Tom Snyder. Show. The Tom Snyder suffering the indignity of the Sex Pistols on his show. Yeah. Classic. Look that one up on YouTube. Uh, they warm up a little bit later. Because Mr. Snyder, to his credit, does find a way to get them to act like they, they aren't uh, the denizens of a barnyard. <laughs> uh, and I say this with love. I say this with love because I love the Sex Pistols. I, I really enjoy punk rock. It's arguably yeah, my favorite music. on there, too. Oh, yeah. Well, Henry Rollins is a lot of fun to talk to no matter what. But Yeah, that was a skinny day. But, but you gotta you got to keep the reins tight on that horse yeah. or it's going to gallop away on you. Much like we did already, so we've already <laughs> we just did. We win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're proving it right. So we do have some topic for you tonight. Of course, juicy topic will be revealed later as we have some call-ins. That's right. Call-ins. We always love call-ins, and well, it's none other than Joe Richter from the Wheel or Woe podcast. Joey. Well, Joey. Yes. So, without further ado, take it away, Joe. What's up, dudes? It's Joe Richter again, man. And it's just always such a trip hearing my voice on someone else's podcast, period. But it's always so, so great to hear back from you two. Um, and I just had to call in real quick because the idea of a Hunter S. Thompson designed Dungeons & Dragons got me so goddamn fired up, man. That would be the coolest fucking game of all time, I bet. Period. Have a great night, and I hope to hear from you all soon. Peace out. All right, thanks for that. Yeah, that is something. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson running a Dungeons & Dragons game. We can't stop here. This is Sturge Country. I would have bothered to tell him, but the poor bugger will figure it out soon enough for himself. Yeah, um, roll for initiative. You don't know why. You're not in combat. Just roll for initiative as he takes out a 454 Kazool and shoots the wall. <laughs> there is no more dangerous enemy than the human mind. That's why... I'm pummeling mine into submission with a very large quantity of vodka and a suitable amount of amphetamines. Yeah, it would be a trip, wouldn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't know what's happening, but you probably would have a pretty good time. <laughs> Sweet Lord, goblins! <laughs> Incorrigible bastards! No, oh, I'll have no part of them. Yeah, well, those are good times, and thanks again, uh... Joe, that is uh, something hearing your own voice on somebody else's podcast. That is always fun. We need to start doing that ourselves. But, uh, yeah, just letting you guys know that we'll be uh, doing a little ads here for Anchor and some other sponsors that come up. It seems that we are getting uh, popular enough that people actually want to sponsor us. So, hey, thanks, everybody out there, for helping us out. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, Anchor is your podcast of choice. So it's easy to use. Guys like us, we do it. But... Pretty much easily. Well, it's like yeah. falling off a log. You're talking about two people who have difficulty with getting the 
well, our outdated, and boy, is this outdated, getting our VCR to stop blinking 12. Yes, we have VCRs. That's how bad our tech skills are. <laughs> now, well, that having been said, Anchor is actually something that here we are using it right now, and it's that easy. Total user-friendliness. Yeah, so we'll uh, be doing that pretty soon, so just, uh, you know, give it a thought if you're thinking about doing your own podcast. But uh, getting back on the topic here, get back on that horse, we have a topic, I think. Oh, we absolutely we do. And I, I think this one was a fairly well-received one in our, our little pre-session, which we don't do a lot of prep work here at the Dicer Screaming. It's, it's kind stupid. of an anthema to us. Yeah, you know, uh, it's our kryptonite. If we pre-plan things too much, everything starts to go haywire. Uh, we do a lot better extemporaneously. So mm -hmm. at, we just thought, hey, here's something we've done many times throughout many years of gaming, uh, and it's absolutely worth an episode. Yeah, it's uh, the one-night stand game or the mini-campaign. Yeah, the little break in between long grinds. How many gamers have an ongoing campaign? I mean, that's a very big thing now, ongoing campaigns. Right. Uh, owed in part to the the invigorated population in gaming, uh, the amount of popularity it's received uh, since the advent of 5th edition has been terrific. But this brings the problem of campaign boredom, you know, just the, the grind sense that... Oh, man, you know, we've, we've been in the, the same campaign world, playing the same characters for six months straight, nonstop. Uh, well, you know, here's a backdated solution from your backdated gamers, who we've been in a lot of long campaigns, and our answer was the minigame. Yeah, and it could be just like you're missing a few key players, but you still want to get together and throw some dice and hoot and holler. So you would design a... Kind of one-night stand, you know, just uh, maybe something from Dungeon Magazine back in the day or what have you. That just looked fun and you could get it done in one night, one and done sort of thing. Or just a small campaign with a preset beginning and end. Now, the players don't nominally have to know that, that it's uh, where the ending is going to be. But, you know, it has a, a, a definite beginning and end for yeah. just a few uh, short sessions or for... Just an extended maybe five or six uh, sessions in a row. Now, this is where pre-generated characters come in. And advice to DMs, it's probably worth it if this is a campaign that is going to have very specific needs from players. Uh, it's probably a nice investment to go ahead and have the pre-generated characters ready so that they will have the tools at their disposal to get through this adventure or short series of adventures relatively intact, or at least with a hope of success. Uh, if, it's an all, if it's a sudden all-social campaign to take a little break from the slaughter fest, then having somebody with some strong social skills, or at least several somebodies, much better choice than, okay, uh, last time it was all fighters. All fighters. Uh, and <laughs> uh, you're supposed to be working your way through the Duke's court as courtiers, eh, and you're really more suited for slaughtering your way through an entire warren filled with orcs. 
Yeah, a little DM prep can stop that from being an issue. Yeah, and it does have the peculiarity of being kind of a novelty. You know, it's like, well, we get to do something. And so sometimes they're good themes, like an alt-dwarf campaign where every orc and goblin killed is 10 experience points no matter what level you are. It's just 10 experience points encourages uh, bloodlust and mayhem on the goblinoid races and their orc kin. Yeah, you're really going to have to slaughter a lot of them to make this count. You want but that next level. <laughs> they are worth something. Also having, uh, you gain one hit point for every beer you quaff. Temporary hit point. Oh, well, There's little rules like that help make it uh, sharp, but you can also do things like an all-thieves uh, guild campaign where you know, you're all hired to do a job or a heist, and here's a uh, outlier of some maybe multi-class magic user, rogue types. Oh, yeah. this is These kinds of mini pickup campaigns are perfect opportunities to stretch the limits of the split class, dual class, or multi-class characters. Yeah, and alternate uh, class or uh, character kits if you're using those rules. You know, if you've got uh, an adventure set up to be for a base average of maybe 6th level, uh, but you need some muscle in that bundle of rogues, you got somebody who, up until about level three, they were a fighter, and then three levels later, you know, they, they spent the other three levels being a thief, and now they, they wear the leather armor and all that. But they've got the chops, they got the hit points, you know, to toe-to-toe slugfest with some of your mid-level enemies. So they can provide a little muscle where a band of thieves might need it most if they're doing a smash-and-grab or something of that nature. Uh, or they're just along as the... the Hired muscle, because this guy has guards, and those guards are no joke. Totally worth it. Uh, but yeah, split-class characters and multi-class characters are great tools if you're doing a specialty dungeon, a specialty adventure, that really only calls for one particular heavy presence of one kind of class. Be it right. all fighters, or all thieves, or all dwarves, or all elves. Uh, yeah, that that can happen too. Also, you know, you can have a cleric with or a kind of a holy quest sort of thing with clerics and paladins, and you know, or hell comes to halfling town. Oh, yeah, hell comes to halfling town. Huh? Yeah, You'd like that. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. pretty good. You know, just any kind of unique setting, change of pace, and hey, let's not limit it to D and D. Okay. Yeah, uh, Gamma World. If you're in a full blown D and D campaign that is an ongoing session for years. Uh, jumping aside and having a mini pickup campaign, like just three adventures long, as a nice little break, uh, jump into Earth Dawn or Shadow Run or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any of, well, now I was real fond of our little short Deadlands campaign. Yeah. That was a good one. Yep. Weird oh, West. Seven Seas. Yeah, Remember seven that? Seas. That was yeah. great. My seven Seas. I had a lot of fun playing an Irish pirate. Uh, oh, yeah, the facsimile therein. Well, well, yeah, I mean, personal resemblance notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, not not much of a stretch there for Mike to play an angry Irish pirate. Yeah, yeah, perpetually drunken and lecherous. Yeah, it was uh, a huge stretch in role-playing terms. Yeah, you really so. had to, you know, really reach for that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of personal growth. Yeah, yeah. It was a less of a reach and more of a grope. 
True. Ah, <laughs> uh, but no, these were great viable side campaigns outside the traditional D and D sphere to help people break out of the rut, refresh themselves, uh, keep gaming interesting and off balance and you know new. Uh, and then you come back to your familiar campaign, rested, ready, and all set to get back in the groove uh, and tear up some monsters. And it, it's a handy concept, the mini-campaign, but there are some limitations. Yeah, you typically just want to have it... Uh, you don't want to start out at first. First, second, or third level is kind of for a mini-campaign like that. Maybe a starting is okay, but you kind of want to give them a taste, and you don't want to be limited either. You kind of want to give a whirlwind kind of treatment about things, and you don't want to delve into too deep of detail about the particular world, especially if you're playing an off game. You can you know, gloss over a lot of the details, like especially if you're doing like Shadowrun, you can just get a group of runners together to do a a hit gone or run gone bad that you know hits out on them, and they have to hide and scurry around and try to find out who's what and what's who. So sometimes the levels don't work, but you want to have a better than just starting average of characters. So for games with levels, I would always suggest around 5th to 6th level, like Mike said. Now, 1st level is okay if it's a single session geared exclusively for 1st levelers, but it really limits the number of things you can throw. If you get into that 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th level zone, yeah, or even like a really brief, if you're not used to playing epic level, uh, throw your players into a sudden epic level pickup campaign. However... The homework you have to do as a DM ahead of this is more considerable. You really need prep to deliver challenges for, like, 15th, 16th level characters. Yeah. That's tough. You know, you... You just can't jump into that cold. You need to have a little bit of prep work done ahead of time and explain players what a lot of their magic items and powers are going to do. You've accidentally broken into a lich nightclub. It's all liches all the time. Oh, boy. Live, hot, liches, nude. Oh, it's oh. a harder show. Oh, geez, yeah, we just went call a Cthulhu there. <laughs> Speaking of other great pickup campaigns, that's another classic. Yeah, I haven't taken a dark six in to... insanity in a long time. If you want a campaign guaranteed to end shortly, yep. you just break loose the old monsters uh, from call of Cthulhu and bam, wish granted. <laughs> oh, Nylartho tip. Shows up, you're all dead. <laughs> yeah, everybody just either goes insane or just gets eaten, so. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Oh. <laughs> Fire vampires walking down Main Street. Now, uh, mid-level characters, you know, people at least built to be around 3rd to 6th level, maybe 3rd to 7th level, they can handle some challenges it drops the characters in without having a lengthy investment process in the personality and background of the character. So it's okay to lose the character after this game is over. You know, just one time right. only, park them in a folder, and that's it. They're gone. Uh, doesn't hurt. Whereas that first level start thing, if you painstakingly handcrafted a character... There is a kind of automatic pilot and an urge amongst gamers. Like, I want to see this character prosper. I want to right. I want to see how far I can go with this before, like, the, the trail runs out. Right. Uh, pushing yeah. it to the limit is natural. So Yeah, that's, that's a big thing is when you start a first-level character, you really, after you succeed, like, graduate to second level, you're kind of like, you know, 
you just passed a big test. I'm I'm vested now. Yeah. They, they didn't die on the initial outing, so now I I'm married to the concept. I, I really gotta stick with this until it burns out. No, you don't want that for a fast pickup campaign. So again, that is one more reason why starting off slightly higher level, still a better choice. And you can do different things than just typical D D like we talked about with Gamma World, but also different things within Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder or what have you. You can play different races. Must have all off races. Um, heck, you can even do a, a great campaign we had was uh, just playing Drow for a few levels. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Evil Drow. Cast out of their house and trying to survive on their own. In the Underdark, where it's not nice. Yeah, you have no uh, support. System of your noble house, you're on your own, you are surrounded by the enemies who both hate and fear the drow, so their alliances are tenuous at best, so having to work with like the typical denizens of the Underdark, like the Koatoan and Elithids, is tricky because you don't have a support network to threaten them with. Like, yeah. if you kill us, you know, others will come and they will not be happy. That's typically how the drow thrive in their area. So, five of us are no threat. Five hundred of us is another story. Uh, yeah, that that threat doesn't work when you're, you know, castless nomads. So that was a really good one um, that we played. Um, that really tests our ability to survive and thrive in a hostile environment. It was almost kind of like Dark Sun in a way, because we only had what we carried with us. Now this is one that, uh, here's an opposite example of going below first level to, like, just the apprentice characters. Oh, yeah. Zero uh, levels, yeah. That was the, the old zero-level character run. Uh, now, again, this is one that requires more work on the part of the DM because they're zero-level characters, and you've got to scale your threats back uh, because everything can kill a zero-level character. Uh, Sip breeze. <laughs> exactly. I caught a cold. For, may I failed my fortitude save. Oh. Oh. <laughs> got you when you die. Oh. <laughs> Oh, darn that rusty nail! <laughs> now, there are unique challenges to that, but it's a nice exercise for the DM in learning to scale back challenges. Uh, because most of the time, we talk about scaling them up, and scaling them back is kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a unique change of pace. It's a place you don't get to go very often. And... Watching player characters with very few resources, much like, that, and I'm going to bring it up again, A4, Pits of the Slave Lords, yeah. you know, the, the whole Dungeons of the Slave Lords thing. It's the diminished resources question, where players are really obligated to think carefully, to scrounge up whatever they can, oh, to yeah. make the best use of the few resources they've got. You see a lot more innovation there. So if you're if you've got players who are ready to be challenged, doing an apprentice scenario for just a few sessions, that can be a lot of fun. You know where they they finally cross the threshold to level one. Yay, we made it! Someday we'll be real adventurers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow, man, I can't believe we survived the lair of the lone giant rat. <laughs> oh boy, the giant rat was tough, man. That was one tough pig. <laughs> Wild pig. Squealing or Oh, boy. Yeah, but like uh, Weeby Goblins is a perfect format for what I call the one-offs, one-night stands, where you play goblins, these just totally pathetic and horrible creatures that have no idea what they're doing and are just completely enthralled with fire and pickles and 
loot. Oh, yes. Fighting over every single thing that's shiny. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but um, you can also do throw in there like an all-aerial campaign um, where, you know, you play in a different world, alternate, maybe on the plane of air or other places that the campaign world is pretty much, you know, small remote floating islands and castles. Oh, And you sure. have to use, uh, all the characters are winged. And the adventuring environment is tough. Or one of my favorites, the aquatic campaign. Oh yeah, we've we've spoken of the possibilities of the aquatic campaign. And they make a nice uh, detour for a focus type mini campaign. And one of the things that as we start to get on that is like where you start with a theme, like all dwarves, pirates, thieves. It allows you to have a certain focus. And as a DM, you don't you get to have a little vacation too because you're. You know what your encounters are going to be, and you have a lot of freedom to really dig into those, where you sometimes are harried from one being hurled around from the player's needs and wants, where they want to go, and all the information that has to be given to them. You have to be kind of one one step ahead. Many campaigns like this allow you to be focused directly into just what is available. There's a limited space to play, so you know what's around the corner. And so it gives you a little bit more time to prepare and spend detailing out parts of that particular adventure. Oh, yeah, my head's already whirling from that pirate idea. The whole adventure takes place on a ship. You're pirates. Your job is terrible. Your master is cruel. You wish to overthrow the captain, but he has several strong henchmen that are always watchful. Mm -hmm. uh, find a way through your hijinks. Uh, you know, perhaps a little whiff of charisma, some appropriate bribery, and of course, a useful backstab to winnow away his support and eventually leave him in a tiny boat with a little bit of food and water. Exactly. Yeah, now you've got your own ship. and then... It's your whole campaign right there, one adventure. You're like, how do we skunk this, you know, SOB captain we really hate? Yeah, and it gives you a chance, again, to play some different classes, do some different things that maybe you wouldn't normally see in a typical group setup, too. You know, particularly where it's very intensive to have, you know, the classic four. You know, a fighter, a spell slinger, a healer type, and, of course, the stealthy lockpicker type. Oh, yeah. And as long as you've got the essentials, you've got a good adventure right in the offing. Right. But, you know, ones without all that necessary, you can play, like, a military campaign where you're all, like, militant in... Um, Second edition kits where everybody had to take the militant type uh, kit to their class, militant cleric, militant wizard. You know, hey, they got to use a two-handed sword. Um, not that they're going to hit anything with it. <laughs> yeah, the militant wizard of second edition. Uh, an interesting kit in that it did allow you to use a sword without the familiar penalties. So that was great. However, you were still using the wizard to hit table. Yeah. So somewhat less great. Uh, <laughs> Not as bad when you crawl your way up to 8th or ninth level, but, yeah, but still. still, not exactly Gandalf impressive. No, and, well, that's the whole thing, is that playing a military fantasy campaign, like uh, one I was reading about, where they were kind of special operatives that went in and fought the magical threats, or cleared out areas that required a highly skilled team, rather than just a cast-off band of near-to-do-wells that we're out grubbing for gold. These guys were in it for not only the mercenaries, they may be mercenaries, of course, still out for the gold, but there is a certain commitment due to the organization or group that they're oh, like. Yeah. 
like a gamer SEAL team. You know, they yep. just, you know, this is Special Operations Group, you know. You know, highly trained for intensive missions to fight baddies like, you know, undead or specific threats like dragons or beholders. They only call you when the chips are completely down. You know, that that's a nice way to, like, intro, intro them, walk them right into the campaign, like, you know, <laughs> the beacons are lit. Gondor calls for aid, and boom, you know, these guys go out and smash. Or they could be a forlorn hope, you know, conv- wrongly convicted of crimes, or perhaps duly convicted, <laughs> and now this is their chance for redemption. Oh, yeah, like Ghost Tower from Inverness, you yep. know, the, the click of uh, convicts with one person who is not actually a convict and is kind of there to, like, run herd on things and keep an eye on it. Like, just a piece of advice, guys. You know, we are we are trying to complete a mission here. Try not to, you know, kill each other. Yeah. I, I know you're, like, really keen on the whole chaotic thing, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there should be a little bit of, like, self-preservation interest rooted somewhere in that chaos. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So... <laughs> oh, no. My fighter is based on the Joker. Oh. Oh, yeah. It just went, went to heck in a handbasket there. <laughs> Yeah, and that brings up a good point. That's why sometimes it's good to use pregens. As much as people groan about them. If you're pretty sharp in developing characters and hooks into it, players will appreciate that. If you give them a character that is well-grounded in that campaign, they don't have to really do much thinking. They just have to kind of do a little acting and uh, get them to the role. A lot of players, especially if you tailor them to your players' personalities, you know what they like to play. So... In the premise of one-offs and mini-campaigns, you know, there's a lot to recommend to people because they allow you to have not only that break, but also gives the DM a break to do something different. Maybe there's a little pet thing that you wanted to do, like the aforementioned sea campaigns or undersea, or piratical adventures where you don't get a lot of time to run a ship. And sometimes these campaigns grow on their own and players really start to like them. Yeah, you may find yourself, I mean, you'd be emotionally prepared for the possibility that people will do a callback and say, hey, you know, it's been a couple of months since we did that thing where, you know, uh, we were like an, an entire group of uh, humanoid monsters uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to pull off a break-in uh, and discreetly spy on the enemy and steal their plans. Uh, and it, it was a total clown shoe event from beginning <laughs> to end, but we all had a really good time. You know, like three of us died. So, but you know, can can could we do that again? You yeah, know, it can happen. Uh, so. That was actually a terrific module from Dungeon Magazine. Oh yeah, the Willie the Troll. Uh, the, the the players were obligated to play uh, a team of humanoid monsters, including I, I I believe an orc, a hobgoblin, a goblin, uh, a bugbear. And there a was troll. something... Was it Willy a troll? the Troll, yeah, Willy the Troll. Not a full-fledged 100% troll, but he was still a troll. Oh, okay. Like, uh, half-troll? No, he was a full troll. He was just not fully mature. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, they reduced the hit dice. Yeah. All right. Understandable. Uh, but... Had an aversion to fire for some reason. Hmm. No, I can't yeah. imagine why. Yeah, yeah. No, poor guy. Always pretty nice troll to know, but... Uh, have an open matcher on him, and man, whoa, watch the <laughs> evil come out. <laughs> oh, very frank. Fire bad. 
No, those those little mini campaigns were well worth the time and investment, and they're a thing that we've used to alleviate grind boredom, which it's a thing. It happens. Yeah. And you know, we take no offense from it as DMs. Okay, just I I encourage everyone out there to accept that if you do something very similar week after week, month after month, a little bit of boredom is perfectly natural. It does not mean anything bad about you as a DM. It's just a thing. Uh, don't but, take it personally, but, you know, we're hoping that this is a way that other people can alleviate those, uh, you know, grind blues and get out of their comfort zone, do something a little weird and yeah. different. And... More importantly, it's a great way to introduce people to a wide variety of new games, which, again, supports the whole hobby. Yeah, you know, if you want to um, check out Chicago Wizards' uh, Three Hex campaign series, uh, he does a fine job of doing those mini-campaigns, and uh, often inspired me that his Boot Hill fantasy mashup was kind of cool, where fantasy adventures emerge into Boot Hill. Oh. Setting, and then there's a portrait port of uh, U.S. Calvary, and a town where just kind of anything goes. You know, they're used to weird stuff coming in and out. And of course, you know that was a nice one for you know allows you to play some Boot Hill with the D and D system if you know those rules. But yeah, you can use any system really for that. Included in the DM guide was a small amount of conversion material yep. for. Uh, I believe it also included a little bit for Game World, did it yeah, not? Yeah, it sure did. Uh, you can have those moments of, you know, split campaigns, which I I know there are probably some folks who just blanch with horror at the idea of, like, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. Get your peanut butter out of my chocolate. <gasps> Wait a minute. These go great together. They you do. Know, just, yeah, and it's a thing that happens. Not everybody's cup of tea. But I thought it was a pretty nice change of pace. It is. And that's what you really want to do, is just highlight that there are other games out there. And plus, you know, you get the usual gang, the usual cast of suspects. I think that's the proper term. Yeah. Together for, to do something different. And that's always fun. So, whether you're playing, you know, one-off with, uh, you know, monsters trying to accomplish something comedic. Or, you know, even if you throw out some vampire, the masquerade. Or you're haunting the urban night. Well, and by by perfect way of example, I I wasn't actually going to mention this, but uh, you know, in the in the campaign I'm running currently, I'm now running effectively uh, two campaign narratives concurrently, uh, and in the one narrative, uh, one of the original player's characters has been dragged to hell, and is in the care of Mephistopheles, uh, and is attempting to be wooed into a position in Mephistopheles' service. And as a plot, uh, all the other players at the table have been assigned devils who are in the service of Mephistopheles, and this one player and all of the associated devils go on missions for Mephistopheles uh, for a limited period of time, and, you know, her freedom will be granted back to her uh, with no harm, no foul, uh, no pressure. And in the meanwhile, uh, 
the same party is playing their regular characters and she's playing a pickup character in the mortal realms on a mission to prepare to go and retrieve her from Mephistopheles. So back and forth we go between playing a team of devils on missions for Mephistopheles, joined by a human who is trapped in hell, and the traditional party with a mission to try to retrieve their friend from hell. Uh, and these are both running at the same time, usually one session in each location during each game. Talk about a little, uh, well, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, prepare yeah, for some DM headaches. You got your work cut out for you there. Yeah, it's it, it's my magnum opus. This oh. this is this is my my swan song. My, you know, we're building up to the campaign closing, so I I really want to do something that I'd never done before. Well, yeah, and that's a good way to bow out of it. But uh, you know, uh, as we're running down on time, oh, we had some time to uh, reminisce a little bit about some stuff. So that was really cool. You know that. You have to let everybody know some how our, that turns out. Some of our classic games of yesteryear, mm -hmm. which I've really enjoyed a wide variety of stuff because of our habit of taking little breaks and kicking in a mini campaign. Yep, and that's how you grow a little bit as a gamer and as a DM. So with that, uh, as we're getting ready to sign out here, I uh, just want to let you know, as always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, or things you'd like to see us talk about, or things we got wrong, or things you agree with, or don't agree with, just let us know. You can let us know on our Facebook page, or you can send us a message on Anchor by using that handy-dandy Anchor app. Or you can reach us on Twitter. Correct. Interact with us live. Follow me on Twitter. And I'm at Death Hand Gaming. That's D-E-T-H Gaming on Twitter. And Matchi Box. Yep. Get all of us there. Follow us. Like us. Whatever it is that Twitter does. And, uh, you know... Let us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Oh, but in the meantime, we hope you have a good week, and we'll be back at you Friday. So until then, may, may the, the dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.